study of biblical metaphors for the Christian life, and the, you should already have your paper there, but um, the, uh, the theme for tonight is a runner in the Christian race, and there's some, uh, a pretty, pretty neat lesson, um, a lot of good uh, analogies and illustrations, actually, um, to pull out to kind of talk about this here. So the text verse is, uh, is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which um, I'll go ahead and read those. Um, start us off, which actually, even before we do that, um, Andy, would you mind to open us in a word of prayer? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So one of the ways that God talks about the Christian life is that of a race here of a runner called a marathon, if you will, here. Um, you are the runner, and he is your coach. A successful race is possible for every child of God who submits to the coach's instructions and runs with patience until he crosses the finish line. That's kind of the, the framework looking at the lesson um, this evening. Now, as Christian runners, we have the privilege of running the course that Christ has set and designed for each of us, which is kind of interesting to think about. There's a course that you have that I don't have. A course I have that you don't have. So with a prize before us and our weights behind us, we should strive every day to throw every ounce of our energy into winning that race that we have. And when the obstacles come, we should meet them with patience. And when we're wearied or wounded, we should run to Christ. But if we continue running, we'll one day have the joy of crossing that finish line. And our coach to say, well done. So some objectives to think about um, as we look through the lesson this evening. Number one is just to understand that, again, I kind of already alluded to it here, but that we, each Christian has a course set by God on which to run for Christ's glory. And number two, be thinking about identifying the weights that are restricting us from the most effective service of the Lord that we have. And then three, we should commit to staying in our race until we cross that finish line. So we already read the text verses here, so we'll go ahead and, and, and jump in here. So point um, number one, this actually, it's a three-letter word, starts with a W. Way. My son, this is his favorite word. Why? Yes. <laughs> why? Why to run, or why run? What's the motivation of the runner in the Christian life? in the Christian race. What's the why? So sub-point A, we should run because of the something of heroic 
runners. Starts with a W. Witness. Subpoint A, we should run because of the witness of heroic runners. Now, Hebrews 11 has often been called God's Hall of Faith because this chapter highlights many of God's faithful runners. There's a common denominator, as you see, obviously, of faith here in the race. Um, they're not listed on your, on your sheet there, but think of Abel. He offered a blood sacrifice by faith. Enoch, how did he please God? By faith. Noah built the ark by faith. Abraham obeyed God and moved to Canaan by faith. Sarah delivered Isaac as a 90-year-old lady by faith. Abraham offered up Isaac by faith. Isaac and Jacob blessed their sons prophetically by faith. Joseph encouraged Israel to return to the promised land. It has to do with his bones. Now, bring, your, bring my bones and bury them there. Thinking ahead by faith. Moses' parents hid him for three months by faith. Moses himself chose to suffer affliction with his people rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season by faith. Of course, he definitely had to have a lot of faith leading the Israelites to the wilderness and instructing them to keep the Passover by faith, that's for sure. And then Rahab, again, you can keep going down the list. There's lots of other um, names in that chapter that are talked about. So again, because of the witness of heroic runners, like if any of them could be here, I'm sure they would say, you know, what God did for me, he will do for you, and he can do for you too. Now, running the Christian race isn't accomplished by special talent that's reserved for a select few, but rather by ordinary people who have faith in an extraordinary God. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China for over 50 years. Um, through his labors, as, as thousands of Chinese were saved, and many other missionaries came to China and helped as a result with his ministry. I think the China Inland Mission, the CIM, um, was what uh, some he helped um, institute. And our tendency when looking at that, of when, when looking at the success in another Christian's race, now we often tend to think, wow, they must have been like special. You know, they must have been a special case. But Taylor himself knew better. And he would say this, God is not looking for men of great faith. Only some common souls like you and me willing to trust in his great faithfulness. You know, those listed in Hebrews 11 were common people who were willing to trust in God's great faithfulness. You know, we too can exercise our faith when we're willing to simply obey God and run our race, trusting him to faithfully meet our needs along the way until we cross that finish line. Now, as you run your race by faith, God will work in your life, and then you'll have a testimony to share with others and encourage them as they run. It's an illustration here. It says, a 1954 edition of London's BBC newspaper ran the following story. Roger Bannister, anybody ever heard of him before? A 25-year-old British medical student has become the first man to run a mile in less than four minutes. He broke the four-minute 
four-minute mile barrier. His time was three minutes, 59.4 seconds, achieved at the Ifley Road track in Oxford and watched by about 3,000 spectators. But what's significant to note is that just 46 days after Bannister broke the four-minute mile, his new record was broken. There's been so many people that had tried up until that point, and it was kind of one of those things, no, no human being can break the four-minute mile. But just 46 days after he did, somebody beat his record, which is kind of crazy. And many since then have run a sub-four-minute mile. And this book is about a decade old, so I double-checked this, and it still is the case. But the current world record for a mile is 3 minutes 43 seconds, 43.13 seconds, set by uh, Hisham El Gourajah. I think he's from Morocco, actually, which was, I think he said it in 1999. So it's actually stood for 24 years. It's impressive. And what men had been trying to do for years was spurred forward by one man's accomplishment. And when you run your Christian race by faith, other Christians are encouraged to press on in their race. So subpoint B, not only do we have to run because of the witness of heroic runners, and now B, run to something, the prize. Win. Run to win the prize. Athletes are motivated by winning. Paul freely spoke of the crowns he wanted to obtain for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-25. I think those are the first verses. Should be the first ones on your sheet there. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain, and every man that striveth for the ministry is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. We know that Paul suffered greatly in his service for the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians, which is one of the most autobiographical of all of his epistles, he lists some of these difficulties in 2 Corinthians 11, 24-28. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes to save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, Fasting often and cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. It's quite a list of some uh, things that are there. And now, even just one of those probably would have discouraged any of us in that. So, why did he keep going on? Why did he press on in ministry even when his very life was threatened? Philippians 3.14. Paul kept his eyes on the prize. That's a statement now. Keep your eyes on the prize. It's true. When his body was racked with pain or sagging with weariness, the prize is what motivated him to press on. 
When danger lurked ominously near, nor his persecutors were assaulting him, the prize is what motivated him to press on. When he was hungry, or cold, lonely, or burdened, the prize motivated Paul to press on. This is an interesting um, thing to remember here. As a runner in the Christian race, keep your eyes on the prize ahead. There will be times when you'll want to quit, times when it doesn't seem worthwhile to continue, but remembering the prize will give you the courage to press on and to not quit. Even Jesus was strengthened to endure the cross because he focused on the joy that was set before him. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. One day, every Christian will see Christ face to face. And what joy it will be to have successfully finished our race and to hear him say, as it is in Matthew 25, 21, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Paul, who knew all about the hardships of the race, calls out to us, cheerfully and tenaciously, so run that ye may obtain. That's 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 9.24. You'll never win the prize if you don't step on the racetrack or if you quit in the middle of it because of difficulties. Run to win the prize. So point two, uh, point number two, first one was why to run. The second one, the three-letter word, how. How How to run. Running is an intense sport that requires diligent discipline and thorough training. An untrained runner cannot get up the morning of an Olympic competition and decide then that he's going to compete. He must learn to run properly to even qualify for the race. Like Olympic stuff has qualifications that we can even get to the point to qualify. There's qualifications for the qualifications <laughs> to even get to certain levels on things. And you know, God has given us specific instructions on running our Christian race. And when we follow his directions, we can be equipped to win that. So subpoint A here, um, under how to run, is... Um, Subpoint A, run with something, you something. (laughs) First is, uh, three-letter word starts with an A. Run with all you have. Run with all you have. Runners involve their entire self in winning the race. Because a runner's efforts extends far beyond just moving his legs. Because when he runs, his heart speed increases to give his blood and oxygen, his lungs work to bring in all the oxygen possible, and his muscles counterbalance each other as he's propelling himself forward. His entire body is contributing to the goal of winning the race. The runner who only gives half-hearted effort is not the winner of a competitive race. From grueling workouts to the race itself, the runner must give concentrated focus and an effort to improvement. Half-hearted effort, similarly, is also ineffective in the Christian life, in the Christian race as well. Jim Elliott, 
a missionary to Ecuador who was martyred at the age of 28 said this. I've actually not heard this. I had not heard this before, but it's really good. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. That is some pretty good advice. This is good advice for all of us. and Give 100% to running the race that God has set before you. Colossians 3.23 Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not as men. In every school there are students who dislike PE class. I was thinking about this the other day. Perhaps you remember the ones who only ran because they were made to run. And even then, they gave just enough effort to keep the teacher off their back from keeping them there. But some Christians seem to approach the Christian life in the same exact way. When they should be expending themselves to serve the Lord and others, they hold back, reserving their strength for selfish pursuits. We all must remember that Christ is worthy of our all. He made us and purchased us with his blood. And how could we withhold anything from him? So subpoint B, we had a run with all you have, and a subpoint B, run within the run within the rules. Just as there are codes for running a race, including qualifications for entering the race as well as winning the race, even so God has given us instructions for running the Christian race. John three or uh, John three thirty six. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. We can only enter the race by trusting in the sacrifice of Christ for our sins. That's the qualification to enter. You can't run it if you're not in it. And once we have met that qualification there, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us in following that course that God's laid out. And the Holy Spirit guides us in applying God's instructions for living the Christian life. John 16, 13. Guiding will guide you into all truth. Bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. God also gives us his grace, which is his desi- the desire and the power to obey and follow him. Philippians 2, 13. God's grace gives every Christian runner the ability to navigate the racetrack of his life successfully. From God's word, we learn how to live a victorious Christian life, and through his grace, we can be empowered to do it. In 1980, for the first time ever, a woman was the first to cross the finish line at the Boston Marathon. But shortly after Rosie Ruiz accepted her gold medal, if that rings any bells to anybody, but shortly after Rosie Ruiz accepted her gold medal and her victory laurels, officials questioned her win. They wondered why she was not present in any of the video footage of the race, and why had none of the checkpoint monitors seen her pass. After several onlookers admitted to having seen Rosie enter the race during the last mile, 
She was stripped of her marathon title, and a larger medal was then given to the real winner, Jacqueline uh, Garot. Sometimes we're tempted to only appear to live according to God's instructions. You know, if other people think, no, we got it all together. We might seem like we have an apparent victory, but we'll ultimately encounter defeat. Rosie had a moment of impressive victory, but now she's just famous for cheating. Remember that that record means nothing if they don't reflect reality. Interesting thought. Now, God's desire is that our outward actions would be a reflection of the work that he's doing in our hearts. Now, many have an outward show of godliness, but the real Christian race is run from the heart and then expressed outwardly. So subpoint C, we had a, a run with all you have, run within the rules, and then run without, that's the W, run without weights. Have you ever seen a marathon runner arrive on the racetrack with a winter coat, heavy boots, and a backpack filled with snacks? I guess maybe if you're in Antarctica, you might. Probably not. Now, while there's nothing wrong with these items, a runner works to make himself as light as possible. That's a really interesting thought. Make himself as light as possible. When he's going to race, he will choose lightweight clothing and set aside anything that would weigh him down while he's running. Hebrews 12.1 admonishes the Christian runner to do the same. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. A weight is simply anything that holds you back from being most effect from most effectively and efficiently running the race that God has set before you. It may not be sinful, but if it restricts you from running your race, it's foolish. Weights for the Christian runner may include activities, habits, or relationships that pull our hearts back from pursuing Christ. And that could be anything. We all could probably name different things in our lives that other people might not even think of, you know, that are applicable to just us. No, Paul chose to set aside anything that would restrict him from pressing forward for Christ. You know, it's really easy to see those in other people's lives, you know? But it's a lot harder in the mirror to see those. And that's why we've got to ask the Lord to show those to us and let him work in our lives that way. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Subpoint D, last one on this point, is run with, starts with a P, patience. Run with patience. If you are not a runner, you may not think of the words run and patience in the same sentence. After all, if you're running, you want to get somewhere fast, right? (laughs) But if you're investing your time and your energy in grueling practices and willing yourself to the finish line on a racetrack, you understand the importance of patience in running. Winning a race requires the intensity of running 
and the determination of patience. Without patience to train and press on, even the most talented runners would never win. This is a really interesting illustration here. It says, born prematurely at four and a half pounds, no one would have guessed the future of Wilma Rudolph. At age four, she contracted polio, which twisted her left leg and foot and required her to wear braces. Doctors were confident that she would never walk again. Taking advantage of any shred of hope, the doctors instructed Wilma's mother on how to massage Wilma's leg to prevent her from remaining permanently crippled. These massages were then administered faithfully. It says, during a routine doctor visit, Wilma shocked her doctor when she removed her heavy brace and walked across the room without it. She then disclosed her secret. Persistently and painfully, she forced herself to walk a little each day. This was the turning point for Wilma. Soon, through patience and persistence, she was running. At age 16, Wilma competed in the 1956 Olympics and returned home with a bronze medal in the 4x100 meter relay. Four years later, she returned from the 1960s Olympics with three gold medals in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, and the 4x100 meter relays. Wilma's life demonstrates the necessity of patience in running a race. Without the patience to willingly endure pain, she never would have walked without her brace. And she certainly never would have competed in the games. Patience in a race is the ability to endure until the finish line. It's the inner strength to refuse to become frustrated and quit when one is exhausted or cramping or injured. Perhaps you've experienced difficulties and have been tempted to fall out of your Christian race. Don't give up. Instead, grow in patience. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. Cast away their full confidence, which a when situations come into our lives that require us to develop patience, we mature spiritually. James 1, 3 to 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The runner has patience to continue his race because he remembers the end. He knows he will not run indefinitely. By running with patience, he will reach the finish line in victory. The Christian runner, too, is encouraged when he remembers that as he trusts the Lord with patience, at the end of every trial, God has blessings. Trials don't last forever, but they do yield great joys. James 5.11 So our final point tonight, point three, we've seen why to run and how to run, and then three, point three here, what to run. Where? I was going to say, think location. Where to run.
the fastest, strongest, most agile runner will never win if he's on the wrong racetrack. Even proper breathing and technique developed through hours of training accomplishes nothing if he reaches the wrong finish line. As Christians, we must be careful that we run the race that Christ has set before us rather than choosing our own race for direction. We want to reach the proper finish line. So sub-point A is run to, start the C, run to Christ, yep. Run to Christ. This is also a really interesting point here. Notice these verses as we read them. And during the earthly ministry of Jesus, multitudes ran to him and found that he could meet their every need. Mark 5, 6. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Ran. Mark 6.33. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out with them, and came together unto him. Mark 6.55-56. And ran to the, that whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, uh, that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Jesus always had the answer for those who came to him, because their running was never in vain. Running to him, it was never in vain. When you have a need or a difficulty, your best source of help is Christ. Run to him in prayer, bringing your troubles to him. Run to him always in joy, sorrow, sickness, health, need, praise, because Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Proverbs 18, 24. Some run to Christ, but others run in a different direction. Proverbs six eighteen. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift, running to mischief. In what direction are your feet headed? Are you running to Christ or away from him? So Subpoint B, we had run to Christ and now run to the, two words, finish line. Yep. Run to the finish line. Runners have one goal in mind, the finish line. They are willing to endure fatigue, pain, and heat just to cross that line, even if they collapse on the other side out of exhaustion. Shortly before Christ, before Paul's death, he had the distinct joy of writing this to Timothy. And this is in 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto, but unto all them also, unto all them also that love his appearing. During the 1968 Olympics, a lot of Olympic uh, illustrations here, 1968 Olympics held in Mexico City, Tanzania's marathon runner, John Stephen Akwari, demonstrated to the world the significance of crossing the finish line. During the race, he fell 
cutting and dislocating his knee. Spectators expected to see him step to the sidelines and watch the remaining competition, watch the remaining competitors finish the race. But John stood up and continued down the track. Other runners quickly passed him. It was obvious now that he would never win the race. Even he must have seen that himself. With John, while John struggled along the track, gritting his teeth against the pain, the first runner crossed the finish line, then the second, then the third. When John finally limped across the finish line over an hour later, only a few spectators remained. Among the spectators was a reporter. What made you continue? The reporter asked. You surely knew you'd never win. My country, John explained, did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to finish. There are many Christians who are terrific starters in the race. But sadly, they're now on the sidelines. Perhaps they were wounded by criticism, crippled by fear, or devastated by tragedy. Some have simply grown weary of running. Whatever the reason, they've chosen not to press on to the finish line. If you're resting by the sidelines, let me encourage you to get back in the race. Finish strong for the glory of God. Run to Jesus for healing and strength and continue on the track to victory. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due seasons we shall reap if we faint not. Paul, who endured many track wounds, didn't look at the bruises, the broken bones, or the scars. Instead, he looked with joy to the finish line. Acts 20, 24. But when I was saying to me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. May each of us have the joy of crossing the finish line and finding ourselves in the arms of our Savior. So in conclusion, as a Christian runner, we have the privilege of running the course that he's designed for each of us. With the prize before us and our weights behind us, we must strive every day to throw every ounce of energy that we have into winning that race. When obstacles come, we must meet them with patience. When we're wearied or wounded, we must run to Christ. For if we continue running, we will one day have the joy of crossing the finish line and hearing our coach say, well done. There's some questions here. Let's uh, look at these just briefly. Um, number one, what are the two reasons, what are two reasons given in this lesson to run the Christian race? This is kind of point one. And what are two reasons to run? Run because of the witness of heroic runners before us. And then the second, run to win the prize. Yep. So how does it affect, number two, other Christians' lives when you run your Christian life by faith? Encourages them to press on in theirs. Number three, what gives the runner patience to continue his race? And how does that relate to running the Christian race? So how about for us? 
runner has patience to continue his race because he remembers the end. The Christian runner is encouraged when he remembers at the end of every trial, God has blessings. Number four, what is the one goal of the runner? Crossing the line. Number five, this is act, these are the next couple ones are more of the uh, answers will vary, but describe a time when you wanted to quit, but you kept your eyes on the Lord and pressed on. It says if you've already seen the rewards from this endurance, list them. So think about that in your life there. The next one is what in your life may be restricting you from the greatest efficiency in serving the Lord? And what steps should you take to lay aside those weights? Again, it's really easy to see it in other people, but not as easy in yourself. So how does patience relate to running? And what are the benefits of patience for the Christian runner? Patience, like the ability to endure, kind of keep going until the finish line. It enables a runner to win, and it helps spiritual runners to mature in their walk with the Lord and receive God's blessings in the trials. And this last one is, again, one to think about yourself. Have you, made a com- have you ever made a commitment to finish your race strong for the glory of God? And if not, make one today. And what promises can you claim then for yourself to help you remain faithful until the end? So again, a pretty neat lesson tonight, thinking about just um, as a, being a runner in the Christian life. Was there anything that stood out particularly to anybody? One of the things that kind of uh, stood out to me that was interesting was, um, let me find it, that quote from Jim Elliott there, no, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Let's go for it. Be all there. The idea of uh, not giving it our all, I know talk about the PE class illustration there. Um, thinking about that in relation to like us as Christians when we really should be giving our all but we saving stuff for ourselves so we can do what we want to do our own selfish pursuits 
and then the idea of, um, of weights there. Again, it's not necessarily anything that's wrong, because it might be totally right for the person next to you to be doing, but it might not be for you or for me in whatever situation or whatever that is in our lives. But again, uh, illustrations are pretty interesting, thinking about uh, um, tonight as well. But last chance, any other thoughts or before we close? Or, no? for the lesson this evening and just, and just the analogies and the thoughts with uh, being a runner in the Christian race and again just the metaphors and illustrations that you give in your word that we can very easily relate in our lives and um, just like in our world and in our lives Lord but thinking of so many ideas in this of just enduring and running with patience and just keeping our eyes focused on on the future and on winning that prize and crossing the finish line, or, or like you, like with um, like Paul talked about, no, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, of that well done, and um, help us to keep that in mind as well, that we wouldn't sit out, and take a break, and never get back in, but that we would continue going forward. Continue pressing on for um, for the prize and for that well done. And even though we can uh, struggle with weights sometimes, help us to uh, as you just work on our lives and give us wisdom on sin that we need to lay aside, and then weights as well. Um, and it can be again really easy to see in other people, but not in ourselves. That's where it has to be you and your Word and the Holy Spirit guiding us there. And I pray that you would um, help us to remember these thoughts and be thinking about them this week when we're out and about in our just day-to-day -day lives, that we would run with patience the race that you've set before us. And please give us safety as we go home, um, do it, go back to our homes this evening, and then uh, we'll, of course get the fall at safety traveling as they're um, headed back home tomorrow, and bring us back together again on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Dad.